enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast. So fun. That's so fun. <laughs> this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classics down to that rare gem that is neither rare or a gem <laughs> at the back of your video store shelf. This week, we're kicking off October. It's a brand new mini series called Oops, They Did It Again. We're doing re- a whole month of remakes. Man, this might have been a bad idea. <laughs> We're doing a whole month of remakes. It's all it's the big four. We're starting off from 2010, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Tim, why do you like A Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh, well, I, I, yeah, with I mean, I, I Not could this film I, specifically. No, yeah, because I know I, that'd be a short answer. <laughs> I could, yes, I could. You know, I could fill up an hour. Both of us could by, oh, yeah. by answering that question. But I'll be, I'll be very brief and succinct about it. Number one, it's the fact that when it came out, it was just. I, I don't know if there's ever been a new horror movie with a more original idea. I, I, I just can't think of one that had something that was so far out of left field that had not been seen before. Right. So. The originality is there. The other thing is just sort of the uniqueness of Freddy Krueger. Like there's I mean, who would have ever thought that a red and green striped sweater would somehow be something that you would want to put the world's most terrifying villain into? Right. But it all works. Um, I think that uh, I think that that first movie has a real charm to it in that. um and I, I honestly, the more that I think about it, I think a lot has to do with the music. It has such eerie and effective music that uh, I won't hum it because I <clears throat> my my voice isn't where it should be. But it, it does have a quality that I think a lot of horror movies don't have. And that is a combination of the slasher effect with a, a truly, truly creepy vibe. Yeah. And Nightmare on Elm Street, the original from 1984, is genuinely creepy kind of like almost an old school gothic creepiness to it yeah so um i love that about it and then also my own uh personal challenges with dreams um and and nightmares and that sort of thing just makes it that much more uh personal i suppose but yeah that's that's i mean i could go i mean i i you're welcome for not saying the words Johnny Depp because I mean I I could I could go on and on and on but honestly I I think it's I didn't uh, say one, why did you use to masturbate to <laughs> right exactly yeah not even like the picture but just when the words introducing Johnny Depp come on the screen yeah then I come on the screen yeah. and uh, so no I think uh, in one word <laughs> we're gonna be loose on this oh, one yeah we are. In one word, I'll sum it up like this. Originality. I would say that that's the cornerstone of that film's success. Yeah. Because it, like, was able to build off of... Because I think that, you know, that's what set Halloween apart from something like Chainsaw was it's like... Like, any any horror movie was, you know, in a remote house or, you know, like these weird, extenuating circumstances. 
trans you were in a different country transylvania or whatever and then halloween's like no it's in the suburbs like it's in yeah. the suburbs now and then yeah nightmare on elm street was able to take that be like yeah it's in the suburbs also uh no way to stop it like it's in your dreams which you have to do like you have to sleep yeah you know it'd be the same type of movie as like eating something would kill you it, you right. have to eat or well, yeah, and it's and it also has this sort of I don't know if whimsical is the right word, but it has um, a really uh, incredibly unique quality in that it is, if you think about it, sort of a a fairy tale. Like it almost feels like a twisted, you know, right, Grim Brothers fairy tale. Like it's the fact that it isn't just some people in a rural town that are demented or whatever, that it has a fantasy quality to it. Yeah. That's something that we didn't see a lot of. And the fact that the rules are so wide open, but I will follow it up real quick with one more thing. We've talked about this in several other episodes, but the other thing that nightmare on Elm street does is that even if some of it is sort of pseudoscience, it's still, um, kind of makes you feel smarter about dreams and the science behind dreams after you're done watching it. Yeah. And it, and everybody wants to feel smart and educated about something. And it kind of, when you got done with it, like everybody was suddenly like a dream expert <laughs> right? by the time they got done watching that movie. So yeah, it's, um, and also, you know, we won't spend too much. We will do an episode. Oh, yes. the first yeah, one. No, you're so, right. yeah, we're you're not right. going to stop it right there because yeah. you're right. We will. And, that'll, <laughs> and it'll be a special one because if you haven't figured it out in this, you know, three or four minutes already, we both really love that. Movie. Yeah, that's Deeply like love that at movie. least if, if you're talking franchises, easily my favorite franchise. Uh, when as Freddy as a kid, you know, how uh, trick or treating as a kid. Crazy. Why do we don't let kids emulate serial killers? <laughs> Uh, but no, you know, yeah, he's incredible. But however, Tim, uh, as incredible as that movie is, oof. let's get into our first movie on our new mini series. Oops, they did it again. We can call this one. Oops, why did we pick this? Yeah, anyway. and and uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> just prepare yourselves real quick. If you ever thought that there was a movie, or could never be a movie that we might hate more than the burning (laughs) maybe it's this one no it it is (laughs) maybe okay uh it's a nightmare on elm street from 2010 uh it was written by wesley strick and eric heiserer directed by samuel bear it stars jackie earl haley kyle gallner 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 garbage (laughs) yeah and rooney mara which i didn't even notice her name in the credits when we watched it is when i looked this up i was like wait what because she is boring in this and i'm and a year later she's the girl with the dragon tattoo it's like i'm sorry also she's not alone in being boring in this (laughs) no not at at all Uh, i have budget of 35 million a box office of 117 million real depressing numbers after coming off of uh come to daddy yeah uh, anyway, let's uh, do Nan Sum and then get to some spoilers. Uh, some high schoolers in Springwood are having bad dreams, and they're all of the same person. A burned and melted man who goes by the name of Freddy. And it seems like he can manipulate them in their dreams and toy with them. 
and hurt them and also lead them to the truth he's trying to keep secret it's a nightmare on elm street just worse (laughs) colon just Just worse worse. like a shitty like low budget like showtime movie with the colon in there yeah uh yeah okay so yeah we don't have to dwell too long on the fact that we did not like this movie let's get into why we didn't this movie right <laughs> right well it, it, it starts with the best of intentions it, it's put together by i mean this is where the whole fucking thing goes wrong from the beginning michael bay's production company it's a cursed name smells money in the water and uh he uh because this, the the friday one the Friday yeah. reboot or whatever had already come out and was pretty successful. Yeah, so that's exactly what happened. And what the what the premise was with that film it was they tried to apply it to to this movie. There's a, a very clear reason why it didn't work. And I'm not saying that that Friday movie is any great shakes either. Right. But here's what their attempt was. Their attempt was to say, let's make a lot of money. Number one. Number two. We're going to pick these franchise horror films. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to take what we feel are the best parts of the entire franchise and condense it down into one film. So lazy it is. And uh, what works about that for Friday is that uh, it has an element of fun to it. And it's, I wouldn't call it a send up on purpose, but you can have fun with a Friday the 13th movie. You can laugh at it. You can poke fun at it. You can laugh at the, the clothing styles and the hairstyles and, you know, some of the goofy line delivery. And it's, it's all a great time. There's also some great movies in there as well. With Nightmare on Elm Street, it, it, it always had a bit more of a serious tone, uh, yeah. or at least, at least the first, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Um, so trying to to do this amalgamation of of the entire franchise into one movie um and actually even strip away one of the first choices you make is to strip away any fun at all that right. the first one had and let's be clear the first one is seriously the the, the most scariest of them all yeah. and it's at freddy at his most ruthless um but uh, still charismatic yeah. Um, so you, they even wanted to strip away that charisma. So that's the origins of it. It was like literally I get, like, don't make him corny. Yeah. But it's not a binary thing where he can either make corny jokes or have like no personality. It's overthinking it is what it is. It's like it, it, it's the it, God, I even wrote it down. It, it's it just best described as. um I'm not going to find it, but I'm just going to say it's a, it's a paint by numbers corporate cash grab. And they know that it will make money. They think that they're smarter than the movie itself or the franchise itself and that they're going to make it everything that it could be, but just completely fuck it up in, yeah. in the process. And so um, that's what you've got. And the sad part is this is what the, honestly is the saddest part of the whole thing is that when you've got somebody like me or you who love these movies, even if we know that a remake is probably not the best idea, we're going to go see it. Hence the, the, the profit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, unfortunately they don't deserve for it to have been as successful as it was, but it worked because we love these movies. Yeah. People are curious. They want to see it. I didn't see it in the theater. I tried watching it once at home and didn't get very far into it. And I don't, and it wasn't because I was like, I'm mad at what this movie is making. 
I was just kind of bored. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, it, then watching it this time fully through, it blew me away. The choices they made in this. And like, I, I don't hate them. I don't hate the choices. Cause I think you could have done this movie the way they were trying to do it. And you could have done it better, definitely better, <laughs> but I think you still could have made it work. Cause they are, yeah, they're, as they're pulling from all the movies, like I even said at one point, I'm like, so, so are they making the first one or the sixth one? Like what, the, what is happening here? Cause a lot of backstory with Freddie in this one, like I knew there was some, but I did not realize it was essentially the plot of the movie. <laughs> right. And you know, what's so funny when you, again, we, we, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but that we go back to that first movie and while we are eventually told that movie's extent of backstory of, of Freddy Krueger, really all we need isn't even an explanation. If you remember the first movie just opens with that sort of like labored breathing of his while he's putting the night, the, the glove together. Yeah. And um, that there's no backstory that we, we don't really even know what's happening there, but it's in retrospect, looking back at it, that's all we needed. We didn't, we don't need like an hour spent on who Freddy Krueger was. It's, it's unnecessary, yeah. but the the problems go even deeper. It, you, you've got Michael Bay, you know, producing it. Then they pick Samuel Bayer as a director. Samuel Bayer, if any of you are old enough to remember any of those videos from the 90s that have like for what for no reason whatsoever, a shirtless old man, like kind of crying in the corner and the edges are sort of fuzzy. And then there's some dramatic lighting that shows up on like an angel, like sort of weeping or what he did all that sort of like nonlinear 90s. Yeah, music videos. And the reason why they chose him, I guess the intent is okay. But the reason why they chose him is that they thought that he could tap into what could potentially be a, a sort of limitless visual potential for this movie, because it does have to do with the dreamscape. So, okay, I get that. But you might want to pick somebody that can elicit uh, performances out of his actors. Oh man, That would have been nice. Because you've got, I read something that said that this movie was criticized by critics for its acting, <laughs> writing, and characters, which is a lot of it, right. a lot of any movie. Yeah. I don't I'm think writing that, a list of cornerstones. <laughs> we're just writing a list of things that are in movies <laughs> right. is really what they're doing. And uh, so, yeah, the, the problems I think began at the beginning, the writing, some of the writing, it's like, okay, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, not to dwell on this for too long. When, when you're rehearsing a scene uh, for a stage play, sometimes you, you try, you've got your lines memorized, you're trying some things, and it just feels flat. It's kind of like right before you maybe decide to like, you know, switch positions and sex <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I mean, this is okay, yeah. but it's like, let's, let's change it up a little bit. It's the same thing where, you know, if you're you're putting that that scene together on stage and you're going through it and you're saying the lines and the director just stops you and is like, this, this just isn't working. There were so many scenes in this movie that felt exactly that way to me. Like, how can people look at this yeah. and think that it's somehow engaging or going well? Yeah, I lost interest so many times. And even at the end, I was just like, are they... 
supposed to be asleep right now or awake? Like, are they together in the dream or are they in a thing in real life? And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care at all. Uh, they, there's so much like dream and reality swapping because they introduce Tim a micro napping, which is, uh, you know, something happens when you stay. There are there are some stages we learned about, yes. you know. After like 40 hours, the brain tries to start shutting itself down. So you'll start having micro naps. You don't even know you're asleep. Uh, I don't know how that works. I don't even really mind that. Right. Like that's that's actually one of the better parts of it. Like, I mean, because I do know what that's like. Like I have, I used to travel a lot. I used to travel internationally. And I remember like, landing not being able to sleep on a flight to paris and then getting to paris and like we had nothing to do yet so we were like let's you know we we started our like work work the next day so what do we do to fill the time let's just go to the louvre why not we're here we have free time let's go to the louvre and like walking through the louvre i had so many times where i was like oh my god i was just like walking but i fell asleep like right. for a second you know and i eventually was like so the dude i was traveling i'm like dave i'm gonna go sit in that chair and look like i'm thinking about something i'm gonna go to sleep i am gonna go <laughs> right. so i took a nap in the louvre which was fun and no one kicked me out for it uh this is really and, exce- and i've had that at doing at work things too like where i almost will respond to something that i think someone I was in Portugal, I believe this was. I was at a pet food plant, and I'm like almost answering questions that have not been asked, but I've dreamt that they've been asked because I didn't sleep on the plane. I have gone boom right to work after getting off the plane before. Yeah, that one was weird, and I, and it's like you catch yourself a couple times, but I'm you know, so I can kind of relate to it a little bit there. Thankfully, what didn't happen to me, I didn't go into a coma. Yes, and that, if only we had somebody to tell us what that is. This movie, in this movie. treats <laughs> comas like they made it up. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just as a uh, you know, as a, a a gentle like reassurance to anyone listening, um, you can have fun in Paris. Like, not everybody is going to have your same experience. Like, I th- I've no, never yeah. been there, but I think that there's probably something to do there to keep you awake. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think that that's real. Like tired enough, you would think walking through a museum would do it. Look, that's, (laughs) that's the thing. It's not what people do for excitement. Go to museums. I I'll tell you, it's, it's at least safer than those experiences that all of us licensed drivers have had where you're driving and then you're going down the highway at like 60, 70 miles an hour. And then you just pop up and realize that you don't really even know what happened for the last 60 (laughs) seconds. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, okay. Like that kind of thing is introducing something new um, uh, like that sort of pseudoscience concept. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But this movie just uses it as a thing to just like pop Freddy in for a second, which was part of it's just like, here's our jump scare mechanic, our micro naps. Yeah. And the thing is, what's funny is Wes Craven didn't even need to do that. That was one of the hugest, amazingly genius choices about the first film is that it doesn't ram it down your throat that now we're in a dream. 
you you know you kind of pick it up as you get more familiar with the nightmare movies when it does become a dream but there's no like click like title card okay now she's dreaming right you know so that's what made it sort of creepy where we didn't really know but because the artistic director you know would just insert whether it's like a goat running across a uh, like a rainy uh, tunnel or something like you would pick up like oh okay i think this is a dream now yeah um but yeah this movie felt the need to have to explain that you know and yeah. it was it was unnecessary talk about unnecessary <laughs> let's just uh, let's just should we talk about what we liked first uh, yes because uh, i don't even know what that would be so Damn you go first either. oh shit uh, let's see. What did I like oh, about oh, I this movie? I know what we liked. We liked uh, Clancy Brown. The, 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 the dad. The we, one dad. We liked the character of Chris played by David Cassidy's daughter. Oh, yeah, but we were just perving out. That yeah, means. but but still. but oh, Very well, cute. You can say that. You can say that. However, her name is uh, Katie Cassidy. To balance uh, it out, the first dude who dies, a hunk. Also a hunk. Yeah, that's uh, he's from um, the Twilight movies. He's from. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's from uh, Stickin' It or Stick It. I'm sorry. Um, not a porno, but it was. So that a, guy had been in other projects before. That before, guy was before that. Yeah. Uh, are or you no, talking about yeah, Kellen Lutz? I guess. Yeah. The, the, the good, the good looking the guy that beginning. splits his throat. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in plenty. Oh, God. That guy. Been well, that guy sucked. Yeah. He's, he's pretty, though. He um, is. Now yeah. I understand how he's had so many projects. He's a real snack. <laughs> but uh, but no, the, it, it, another real snack in this is David Cassidy's daughter. Now, you could say that we were perving out, and that's the only reason why we like her. She does give a good performance. Though. Yeah, she's actually f- way the hell more engaging than our Nancy. Yeah. Way more engaging. Which, yeah, which I thought I was like, oh, is that what this movie is going to do? Like, you think Nancy... Like, she's going to be the side character, and this person is the Nancy of this movie. Right. Uh, and I would have been do fi- that. And I would have been fine with that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, for God's sake, they dwelled on her long enough to where it was almost irresponsible to give her that much screen time if she yeah. just wasn't going to be the yeah, girl. Nancy had like three lines yes. in the first 12 minutes of this movie. Right. Um. So and they're already starting to uncover the mystery with what was her character name? Val? Chris. Chris. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like already, she's uh, unraveling yeah. a mystery. Dealing with Freddy is like witness to a killing, uh, and We're, then yeah. they're like, "Got to steal, got to steal a scene from the first one." Right. Oh man, we'll get to that. We're talking about things that, <laughs> oh, that we, we like, like, right? Okay. okay. I'm trying. Uh, um, well, here's what I'll give you a twist on that. Oh, man, this is such a big conversation, though. Um, I'm just going to come right out and say this. Um, Let's just say what needs to be said. And if it hasn't been said by now, and if it's only been hinted at, then fuck everybody, because I'll just go ahead and declare it because it's the truth. And that is that nobody else should play Freddy Krueger other than Robert Englund. I don't know. Fucking, if I don't know if I can agree with that. Oh, I do. I, I will. I mean, I, I thought of it, but I, yeah. I do. I, and here's the thing. That's OK. But it's, imagine it's you got okay. like a Heath Ledger, t- the like type, because everyone said that about the Joker, like. No one but Nicholson can play the Joker. And now fucking two people have won Oscars playing the Joker after Jack Nicholson. That's fair. (laughs) But I just really don't. I honestly, I guess what my, let me make my stronger point. 
even if you thought that there was somebody that could play Freddy Krueger, it's okay to say that no one else will. It's okay to say Robert Englund did it the best. And if no one else, if he can't play it, then let's just not do it. There's nothing wrong with saying that. See, that's unfair because it's everyone else. Then as far as a franchise and a business that these movies are, you know, to be, you can hide everyone else in a mask to be like, well, that, like there's there's a guy my- who can bring a good. I bet there is a good Freddy Krueger out there, and like hearing Jackie Earl Haley got the part is not like you're not like oh bad choice. It seems like it's a good choice. Well, that's what I was they getting just, at. Yeah, like that. That was going to be going to be something that I liked, which was when I heard that casting. Actually, along with Robert Englund, who was approving of it, yeah. said like. Okay, this works. And when I heard that, I'm like, nobody else can play Freddie but Robert Englund. But I do really like this guy as an actor. I think he's a really unique choice. And so that actually is on my list of things that I at least initially liked. I thought of something I liked that I, I did point out while we were watching it. I like that little thing he does with the glove. That's yeah. Instead of the scrape, the the fingernail on a chalkboard which they of course they do homage whatever yeah but his bit is this yeah i like that a lot yeah there we go yeah it's kind of like when you pick up a pair of scissors and you got to do that yeah you just have to yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so he does that no that's cool and the thing is um but if we're if we're really uh okay this is also something that i also liked and also hated um his face in this movie um i like the idea of somebody saying why don't we really go for more of an authentic burned look uh for freddie as opposed to the sort of i mean granted it's a great timeless iconic look for for robert england let's go for maybe what these true burn victims would actually look like the sad part about that is, and it's something that I don't think any of us realized when we were watching the first movie, because when you first see the first movie, you're like, oh, that guy's disgusting. His face is burned. Right. But we didn't realize that we were turned off by something that was still charismatic enough to be likable right. in, in looking at his face. When we're looking at the results of what a true burn victim looks like. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of strength structured facial features still right his skin was natty right but yeah like fire fucks you up yeah if it burns off the tip of your nose so what you're essentially left with is just the little bit of bone before it turns into cartilage yeah the thins the lips thin out um so what happens is is that we're all reminded of truly kind of how sad, like if you've ever seen any of those veteran commercials where a guy has been burned or whatever, and his face is just kind of gone. Yeah. um, There's, there's nothing fun about that. And it kind of, even though Robert Englund looked all crazy and effed up, it didn't look like that. Right. And I think that their intention was probably, uh, I, 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 hesitate to say cool but an interesting one and they were really looking at pictures of burn victims and that sort of thing to really get it nailed down but um i think it kind of zapped zapped some fun out yeah because you never you never look at a burn victim and go good 
Yeah. Like it's one of the like saddest heart. It's very, it is hard for me to look at. I'll be honest. I, you know, I don't like that about myself. Can we get that? That turns my stomach, but it like, I feel so bad for that person. I can't not imagine like what that immediate scenario would be like. What a nightmare that would be to even be there. Then to have this lifelong reminder that people are disgusted by like, it's gotta be the worst fucking thing. So don't, you know, when I then see that, uh, my brain like cranks up its empathy, but I don't want to do that for Freddy Krueger. No. It's yeah. Like if you were in a hospital, you'd be like, can we please get to the pediatric cancer unit? Like, just get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, I can't take the burn ward. Um, uh, but yeah, it's there's there's no there's no fun in that. Um, uh, nor is there in pediatric cancer. I'm just saying that like we're supposed to be entertained and having some fun and being scared and titillated while watching these movies. You see Freddy Krueger's face in this and it just kind of feels sad. And yeah, and you, it's like, you know, it's like the absence of the lips, like the original Freddy Krueger. You just had a, a fucking mouth, right? Right. But this is like, they're puffed and melted and just like kind of blended in with the rest of the jaw. And so it just, it's really off putting looking at his mouth it doesn't look like it should work you know what i mean like it shouldn't be able to be forming the letters he's forming i was making some very inappropriate jokes over making about with people (laughs) with speech impediments but that's kind of what it looked like you know yeah it didn't it doesn't look intimidating it looks sad and i feel bad for the person who has that mouth yes right yeah and and then at the same time they're doing these bad cgi things on the face that I thought were really unnecessary. Now, it's the same guys who did the Two-Face from A Dark Knight. Not to... to sorry, I keep big Batman up. <laughs> but, but yeah, the Two-Face there. But that kind of worked. Like, that was a fresh burn. That was, you know, that's kind of the visage of visage of Two-Face anyway, is yeah. this total scar. So I like that, where you could see the tendons and there's, like, some shit hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had already, you know... He'd been in the hospital and he had, you know, refused treatment. So it's just kind of this air sure. thing going on. Yeah. But yeah, with this, it's like, because Freddie does have this kind of, to me at least, iconic deep red patch on right. his face. And in this one, it's like this wispy, obviously computer, you know, strands yeah. of skin where you're just like, just someone break those. Like, just brush at them right. so we can get rid of them or something. <laughs> right. Like, it wouldn't be there that long, you know? Yeah. There was there was something I liked. Another Here's another thing I liked. This might be the last one. There was a... a actually, I you know, I, I hesitate to give Samuel Bear any credit more than, like, um, Wes Craven as far as coming up with interesting things. But there's a, one particular scene where... Uh, a nightmare is happening and it's happening inside of a convenience store. And what we get is instead of either being in the real world or the dreamscape, um, they make the choice of showing sort of like the alternate, they kind of flash back and forth. So when the girl is collapsing and when Nancy is collapsing in the aisle and she's reaching up for shelves and things are falling down, it will do a very quick cut to kind of similar to Stranger Things, the way they they'll do like yeah, a like a, almost down. like a shutter flip yes. from like the the uh, 
We're getting her it. perspective and then everyone else's perspective. Yeah. So the it, people watching her in the convenience store, but her as she's dreaming. Yeah. And it flips it. It's very You're rapid. Right. We did both comment. That was kind of cool. Uh, that was a very good sequence. Yeah. That was cool. I liked that. Um, I don't know if I liked anything else in this movie. No. The 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 real I mean, let's let's just call a spade a spade here. For all of the problems in this movie, I think that the most glaring one is the utter lack of any sort of charisma or likability of its leads. Yeah. Boring. And it, well, first of all, boring would that be. That dude had the, such a punchable face. Yeah, we're talking about faces. Yeah. Uh, just like this sad, mopey look the whole time. He looked like he was late for his emo band practice kind of looked like like when you look at those sort of renaissance like british renaissance paintings and you're like was anyone attractive back then (laughs) they have that sort of oval face and those derpy eyes and it's like oh yeah impossible to look at for any length of time but yet we have to and uh so but but not only that it's like even if the kid's face is not the greatest thing to look at at least if we got some sort of charisma or excitement or or life underneath the performances or holding up the performances of these leads that would be something this nancy yeah this has got to be the worst final girl (laughs) there has ever been in any movie i mean just lifeless yeah utterly lifeless and and I don't even. Yeah, I wish I was right that they had flipped it. Like Nancy is not the main character, right? Because man, they killed off the most interesting female. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you I something. I can't believe this. I mean, it just blows me away. This person does <laughs> girl with the dragon tattoo like a year later. I'll tell you something else. I like that they fucked up. They were originally toying with the idea of the fact that the reason why Freddie is exacting all of his revenge is because. Uh, upon closer look, he actually was innocent. He wasn't really the guy that was hurting the kids. Right. And they were going to go with that, but then they flipped it and went back around to he really was the one. He was a child molester. That was the other thing. They they went from it being Freddie being a child killer to a child molester. Yeah. So the kids survived, but had been, um, you know, molested by him. But here's the problem. Cut them, which is weird. Well, this is the probably the hugest problem that I have with this plot is that they tried to say that all these kids went to the same school that employed a guy, a caretaker, a maintenance person that um, was actually molesting the kids and that they all have repressed memories. They don't even really remember that they went to school together. Right. They don't remember that they went to that school. Yeah, it was a preschool preschool. Yeah, you're right. So so that. okay, okay, that's fine. But I kept waiting for them to say, like, we were all so worried about you and that you'd all grow up and and be so damaged by this that we, like, all had you take this uh, medicine or gave you this medical procedure or hypnotized you or anything. But no, we don't get any of that. It's just somehow these 10 kids all forgot, had a repressed memory of everything that happened to them. Yeah. But then still, like, lived in the same town. Yeah. Like, no one moved anywhere. Right. <laughs> Just all were like, like, where did they think they went to? Uh, 
to preschool. Yeah. They might have covered that. I don't know. No, they didn't. They, they really didn't. They, <laughs> they, did. they, they absolutely did not. They just assumed, maybe they just thought the concept of repressed memory was such a, a unique or cool thing. Right. That it would just like, like all of them had it. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we're talking about people that just are, are fascinated by the concept of a coma. Um, and repressed memory is just that much cooler. Yeah. So that was their plot device to say that these kids have no recollection of what happened to them. It's completely just not plausible at all. Like, weren't they worried that they all were still like best friends in like they were like, we need to keep these kids apart from each other. Right. They should not talk. Yeah. And if he had that glove, because it's implied he had the glove. Wouldn't that just seeing that have triggered I mean, if you can repress a memory that easily, I'd imagine you can trigger it pretty well with something as unique and defined as that fucking glove. Let's say that, like, you just happen to go into your family's kitchen and you look into the sink and there's, like, three, like, butter knives laying next to each other. Wouldn't that be enough? (laughs) That would be enough. You'd be like, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy that fucked me and cut me like you you would remember that yeah um certainly kids were you know putting spaghetti noodles on the tips of their fingers before those movies right like people did that just for nate like it was nails or something that would send them into an absolute what would send them into a coma Yeah. yeah um but no, that's I'm going to talk about another thing that I both hate and like um because I can't I mean they're indistinguishable in this point um so one, well, I just forgot what it was. Well, good. I'm going to ask, did they did they just gaslight the kids in like first grade? Like when they started first grade, they were just like, hey, come here and meet Nancy. And they're like, "I Nancy, my best friend. She's like, no, you've never met Nancy before. This is your new friend, Nancy. And like they have the same names. Like they all got a name change. Yeah. It's like it reminds me of there's a true story of this uh family where the dad like they wanted to get like insurance money so he faked his death and they had like a four-year-old so the dad like went two towns over for like three weeks and then came back and he just dyed his hair black and mommy's like this is your mommy's new boyfriend but it was like they tried and the kid is like you mean dad (laughs) (laughs) this is an actual true story but (laughs) but anyway oh i remember what i was gonna say so i love a good homage. I mean, I I do. I, sure. I love I love anything that ties back to something, and like you you know whether you want to call it homage, Easter egg, whatever, something that makes you feel like it gives you that aha moment. Like, oh yeah, they're gonna do that thing that is a throwback. That part I like. So this qualifies as something that I like. Problem is, is that this movie <laughs> feels like it has the right to absolutely completely steal moments from the first movie and recreate them to lesser effect. I mean, it's not even like they're trying to hint at um, we're going to do a scene that has to do with water and Nancy and the knife as a sort of, or the, the glove as an homage to the bathtub scene. Right. They literally do the bathtub scene. Right. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, actually have that be a part where someone does die. Like, it doesn't even have to be Nancy, but do the, everyone remembers the glove coming out of the water in the tub. Cool. But here's a new context that it's in. Yeah. Instead of, 
like you could have literally just taken that scene from the first movie. Yes. Deep faked Rooney Mara's face onto it. And that, that's it. And it's not even as good because if you remember what was so terrifying about how they filmed that first one is that we also get those shots, a little bit of uh, the obscured nudity. Um, where the camera is way down, like almost at the bottom of a pool, and you see up at the top with the bathtub, yeah, and you see her like flailing naked, like underneath the water, yeah. In the first one, you don't even get that in this no, one. Oh yeah, that's right. And um, so yeah, they're there's they're weak. yeah that well, I guess that they did do. They were like, here's how we'll subvert it. Nothing will happen. <laughs> yeah, we just won't make it. That's as our cool. choice. Yeah, our choice. To I be, forgot it does pull her down. In that yeah. Time. So their choice in this movie was, here's how we're going to be different. We're going to make it bad. I'm a fake fan. We're going to make it bad. That's how right. we're going to be different. Like, yeah. Wes the the, did the this scene movie. of Freddie, like, coming out of the wall above yeah. her bed oh, is God. the worst CGI shit wall. Like, the Frighteners, which 15 years earlier was 10 times better than that. Like, oh, it looks like such garbage. Yeah, Wes Craven did it good. Guess what we're going to do? <laughs> we're going to put a whole big spin uh, on gonna it. We're going to do a Nightmare on Elm Street. Just worse. Yeah, that's it. That's literally... The, we could have done a 15-second episode on this movie, and that's in the entirety of it. Um, so, yeah, so you've got all that. Um, you know, the, the, they're bringing in the song. I think they're, it's kind of like when um, like Elvis got sort of, you know, kind of fat and drug-addled. And all he was doing was just a medley of his songs. Like he wasn't even completing a full song. He'd just sing like a verse and then he'd fade into another one. Right. That's really what this movie is. They're just trying to say like, Ooh, it's creepy when the kids sing the song and it's creepy when the knife comes up in the bathtub and they're just sort of stitching like Frankensteining it all together. Yeah. Um, with no help from the the charisma. Now you want to talk about lack of charisma on the part of the actors. We're also talking about lack of charisma on a part of the, I guess would be the artistic director. This, like you and I talked about when we were watching this movie is very much a victim of that mid to early to mid two thousands horror filmmaking where everything just looked so nice. Yeah. The cars are beautiful. The lawns are manicured. Everybody's skin is glowing. Like everybody's hair is done perfectly. It's just too pretty. Yeah. Like there's nothing. There's no grittiness. Um, even when they're trying to do like the, the, uh, boiler room scenes and things like that, there's just, there's nothing that the boiler room scenes in this movie don't. They're make grimy, you, but they're really well lit. But and they don't make you feel nervous no. the way that the boiler room scenes do in the first one. Yeah, where you feel terrified. Right. You know. Um, yeah. These are more like open rooms. The original one is like corridors. Like everything is a, you know, steamy walkway with chains hanging above it. In this, it's like, oh, I'm in his work room. Here, I don't even know where to start. Well, let me let me let me movie. let me just say this though, because I think this is. I mean, we'll we'll take the pressure off. We'll take our. Uh, I can't think of a good uh, non. Uh, <laughs> like just a, I can't think of a nice metaphor. We're gonna take our foot off the gas. How about yeah. that? On our just barreling down to run this thing over. Let me ask you this question. We'll put the onus back on the original franchise. Do you think that the original franchise? not in any connection to this had its own hand in fucking up Freddy Krueger. Do you think that they took him 
for what they had in that first movie, do you think that they began the process of dumbing him down and making him too much of a clown? Um, I don't know. I mean, you like the other movies beyond the first I, I one, do. don't you? I mean, not like uh, that. You know, we get diminishing as we go on. Yeah, I mean, but three is still awesome. Four is like when it starts. Yeah, like with the Roach Motel. Yeah, that movie was like okay, and they're kind of running out of ideas. They're trying to branch, you know, babies and you know a lot of family stuff. Now, however, that does introduce the concept of like him being the product of like a thousand maniacs raping a nun for sure uh which is a i mean category a, on porn hub yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> no. what comes up when i just hit the word that letter n uh but yeah so yeah which uh, you know a horrific uh, a horrific idea right but yes would explain the creation of someone like frederick krueger <laughs> Um, what was the original question? Well, did the did the did the franchise itself prior? Oh, to this, did it hurt itself? Did, did, yeah, I mean, yeah, it didn't help. Like six was so fucking goofy. Yeah, uh, you have Roseanne and Tom Arnold in your movie. I'm not gonna take you that seriously. If uh, you know, uh, is that the one the where they're trying to like get 3D? out of? Are that where they're trying to get out of the town and they can't get out of the town? Uh, I don't remember. Oh wait, maybe that was Freddy's Dead. That was five. That was the one no, where like it's, it's got a hallucinogenic six. scene. Six is the one Freddy's where dead. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Right, because four, because five is Dream Child, and four is mm. I can't remember. Yeah. And then New Nightmare, and then Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then this, which is better than this. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, like yes, those last three canonical movies. Yeah. They did not do themselves any favor, and I think that's why people really didn't like them that much. And Wes Craven was able to bring it back around with New Nightmare, make Freddy. Like I think they're trying to make that Freddy in this movie. Yeah, I, and maybe that's uh, where this is. Maybe didn't. that's maybe that's where this is leading. Is that and okay? So maybe this is a good intention too. Like they want to take Freddy back to how more like he was in that first movie, less one liners, yeah. more straight ahead, more scary, maybe less, less dialogue, but I that's mean, he's got some one liners in the first, he I'm does. your boyfriend. Now, Nancy is a one liner. Yeah. Boy, they fuck that up in this one. They try to steal <laughs> that and they, 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 they leave the Nancy off and it's just, it's just like a, they throw it in there for just no good reason. Yeah. They, they waste the, the weight of that. Um, so he was always quippy, just yes. not, you know, not to the satirical fucking parody of itself it became. And he was always, yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. He was always having fun with it. Like when he popped out from the tree and he cut off his fingers and he's like, hey, look at this, check this out. Like right. He was always yeah. goofing around. He, was to- he would toy with yes, a right. lot. Yeah. Or like, I mean, he, he, I guess he just like the I'm going to kill you slow is a, is a far stretch from when I think in later movies, he raps at some point. Probably. So, I mean, yeah, that, that there's first one part, like he's behind a deaf kid and he's like, Oh, oh like, yeah. Doing that. Like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> like that's only for me as the, like that kid doesn't know right. he's doing that. Yeah. Why, why are you doing that? You're a dream demon for yeah. fuck's sake. Yeah. Act like Have it. some respect for yourself. <laughs> right. 
Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe the intention to make him frightening again was good, but I think that they underestimated the value of Freddie's, uh, whimsy that, that yeah. we kind of liked that aspect yeah. of him. Maybe not to the level that, it. that you just said, but I mean, to, yeah, but in this, it's like everything about him is pure evil his voice is fucking awful in Monotone. it. it. Yeah. It, 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 it never sounds like he's in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is super affected and modulated and, yeah. you know, demon esque or whatever. Uh, but it doesn't even look like his, his lips can't really move. It never looks like he's saying what he's saying. Right. It's like you're on a ride at Disney World and like you're just hearing the voiceover from the speakers. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like in that. Uh, what is it? That Norwegian ride that. Oh, tr- the Matterhorn. That tries to be scary. Like many have come this way before. <laughs> <laughs> it tries to be a scary Norway movie. Or, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. But no, it, it always it never. You're right. It takes away the immediacy of of him being right there with you. Cause that's the scary thing when you're finally in the room with Freddie, like that's supposed to be the terrifying part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's completely just extracts. Oh, uh, out of what, it. what doesn't work in this one too, is he has like a goal, right? Like, uh, and not just killing kids. Like I get, he does, he does have a goal yeah. of killing the children of the people who murdered him. But in this, he, you know, he like has, conversations that have deeper meaning to kids in their dreams yeah you know he's trying to push them in some direction or something like that uh which yeah i kind of brought up when i did my thing a huge issue is he's using their dreams to paint himself he's giving these kids a one-sided story through their dreams right of he's an innocent guy yeah and these kids immediately like uh, believe it which is weird uh and then but at the same time he provides them enough information so that they can go find where he was you know his shit his secret lair which then completely destroys his lie yeah so and why the fuck would you provide that information to yes them? to what end does him trying to like elicit some innocence like He's like you said, he's a dream demon. What the fuck does he care? Yeah. What's that going to like? Ah, not only then I kill their kids, but their parents were a little more upset about it because their kids didn't trust them. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when like, uh, uh, you know, an athlete is finally added to the Hall of Fame <laughs> like 50 years later, you know, and they forgive the fact that he like, you know like played for a, like a, a, like a farm league for when he was supposed to be in the Olympics and they stripped his medals or whatever. Maybe. Right. I'd, I should have thought that through more, but anyway, <laughs> you know what no, I'm great saying? analogy, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's, that that's problematic in that it, it, it gets itself swallowed up in a, its own story, which isn't even that um, captivating to start with. Uh, I feel like the movie is, uh, it's not like it's overly complex, but it's aimless to the point that, like you said, by the time that they get to, or at least this was my experience, by the time that they get to his hidden lair, which is probably supposed to be some sort of like grand, like aha moment, like, hey, we're finally in yeah. his lair. God, had I stopped caring at Th- that This point. is one of those moments where I was like, are they dreaming now or are they really fi- finding this? 
And did you care? No, I didn't care at all. No. (laughs) Right. No. Well, they do so many. uh, I think I said it. They they use the micro naps as like a jump scare device. Like, so they can just be walking around and then all of a sudden Freddy will go and swipe at him. And then then he's gone. Yeah. For for no fucking reason. Just to have a bit where there's some loud music and Freddy's wiping at you. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's it's and after it happens, you're just kind of like, what the what was that? Yeah, like it just it doesn't even it didn't really scare you, and it's the other issue with Freddie, because Robert England said that he thought Jackie Earl Haley looked the part. I don't think he does at all. That's what I liked about Robert England was he played him as lanky, but he also was you know he was like a movement actor, so he like. Brought a different, a certain stance, yeah, which then crouched him down, so then he could actually stand up more and be more imposing when he wanted to. Right, Jackie Earl Haley's barely taller than any of these kids, right? So it's just like he looks is, like let, a leprechaun. Let me correct movie. you; he isn't taller than okay. Any of these I kids. wanted to give him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, but as I'm saying, I'm like, I don't think he's taller. Than no, he's kids. not. And and the thing is, it's well, let's just. Let me ask you this question because maybe this is what we're what we're barreling towards here. Are there movies that you feel should be protected to the point that they no one, regardless of the idea, should ever remake it? No. You think that everything's open to a possibility of improvement? Sure. Okay. I mean, there are technically only nine stories, so everyone's just kind of doing that anyway. Right. Oh, you mean like nine themes? Yeah. Okay, like man versus nature and that <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, essentially, okay. yeah. So, okay. So, so like you, the hero's journey or like there are like nine story structures. Right. So so you think, though, that... But yeah, if you've got something uh, to bring to it, yeah. Kind of like the recent Halloween movies where you had people that were established in the business who knew how to make films, but were also super big fans of the of the franchise, and they were coming to it as a passion project as opposed to a studio being like, you know what's going to make a lot of money? If we bring back Nightmare. Right. Um, that, so I guess what you're... Okay. So what you're saying is, is like our, our new favorite word, conditionally, <laughs> that every movie... There's no movie that is so good that it is exempt from any contemplation. Right. Like now, odds are if what you're remaking is a very popular property, it's going to be met with much harsher criticism. Right. But, you know, Father of the Bride was a remake. No one saw the fucking first movies. No really? one has. Yeah. F- f- when was the first one made? It's like a f- f- from like the 40s. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, like an old like Spencer Tracy or something was in. it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, very old movie. No one knew even existed. So yeah. you can remake that. And everyone's like, oh, that what a fun concept. And uh, wow, Steve Martin really, uh, he's the father of the bride. Nope. He's just a remake of the father of the bride. Uh, but, Ooh. you know, if someone were to remake Jaws, yeah, it's going to be met with some pretty critical and harsh. It's going to be hard. To be like, what you did it? You made a movie better than Jaws. Okay, so so you're 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 knocking on the door. What I'm saying here, you like Jaws, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, are you telling me that there is an argument that someone can make that is stronger than the argument of leaving it alone 
to remake it. You're telling me that somebody could have a stronger argument than somebody saying, hey, that's Jaws. Maybe we don't remake that one. That somebody could have an argument to say, no, 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 no. I can do it better. Well, look, I think a lot of people would have that attitude. Let's not remake Jaws. <laughs> you know? And that, yeah, so the, the, the grander it is, no one's going to be like, I'm going to remake Star Wars. But I don't think there should be some sort of like rule okay. or something where, okay. you're not, you know, something makes a list where it's not allowed to be to tinkered with ever again. Okay. I, now, I could get on board with that because at that point, it's I mean, it's not the same as censorship, but it is the same kind of like, like you can't you can't show this. You can't teach this. You can't read this. It's kind of a cousin to that, to where it's like you can't do anything with this movie because we've just somehow decided that nobody yeah, can improve right, upon yeah. it. Like, okay, that that uh, yeah, I could go with that. Yeah, odds are they just wouldn't do it because they know it would right. be a bad idea. However good you think your Jaws idea is, you there has to be a part of you that understands that no one's going to care except right. for you. I did, uh, I felt a little bit better about, uh, well, I mean, it's it's not hard to find a lot of harsh criticism on this movie online. I mean, there's plenty of it out there. Um, there are some people who do actually support this movie, which is shocking. But like we've talked about before, I think that if someone was probably 15 in 2010 when this came out, and it was maybe the first nightmare that they saw, maybe they even went back and saw the original and liked it better. But they're going to be softer on this one because it's like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. Right. Just because they have their nostalgia attachment, yeah. and and that's and if you've are... never seen the original, and then our cast is Freddy Krueger, right? And then yes. watch the original. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we didn't bring this up earlier. Yeah, Jackie Haley uh, did not watch the original. Was cast then, like on like the first day of shooting or whatever, said to one of the kids, he was like. Uh, yeah, I just I never seen the original. I watched it last night, and it's probably the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Get the fuck out of here! Yes. You were in Bad News Bears. Goes to Japan, right? Right. <laughs> just you know, I guess maybe he never saw that movie. He was just in it. Yeah. Maybe you just haven't seen a lot of movies because you're not tall enough to see in front of the seat in front of you. <laughs> um, but it won't no. sell them R-rated tickets. <laughs> Yeah, that's his vengeance against any R-rated <laughs> film. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I that that and I like that guy. I think he's a very talented actor. Yeah, but that boy, it's, that rubbed me the wrong way. It was very disappointing to hear. But I did read a uh, an interview with the actor who plays. Oh my god, I did even honestly, I did even bother to write down the character names here. He's the guy that I said. Um, well, I don't want to say who I thought he looked like, but um, the you know the one. He's kind of like uh, he's early on in the film. I think he's the one that sees. Yes, he plays Chris's boyfriend. Yeah. Okay. That actor was uh, interviewed about this movie, and they asked him like, "What do you think went wrong with that?" And he acknowledged that it was all wrong, and he said that very plainly that what it is is when you have a movie that is helmed by studio heads looking to make money and that they are not concerned at all with the artistic product being made. They're only concerned with the sales. He said it's a sales movie is all it is. It's yeah. looking for sales and that's it. Um, that that's, that's the problem. And yeah. so basically he said, yeah, as a result of that, 
you know, I mean, he said everybody that was that was involved in it really wanted to do well. But um, but uh, uh, when at the very source, the foundation of the the filmmaking product is a company that just doesn't really care that much if it's good or bad or if it yeah. appeases fans, then it's a recipe for and disaster. And how do you make like they planned on making sequels to these? Like, how do you do that if you've already been like, well, we're just going to take the best from the older movies and put them into this. Then what's like, well, let's take the second best parts of all the other movies and put them in this movie. You know, like, I don't know. It would have been, uh, yeah, there's a masochistic part of me that would have loved to have seen how they took this franchise because I cannot imagine them doing like a straight up remake of part two. No way. Yeah, right. Uh, although maybe, I don't know if they had any balls, they would have had they approached this one differently. Uh, they probably could have. They probably could have really made a very effective remake of Part Two. That is something that could have been made today. There, there's a good example. Well, yeah, for there's, you. there is. If they remade Part Two today without having to be so subversive about it, yeah, you could make a very powerful uh, horror film. Yeah, it's timely. There, I, I, I think you're right. Here's what's really crazy about this movie, though, is that you know, like we'd like to talk about our budgets and our, our profits and all that stuff. This is still the highest grossing nightmare film of the entire franchise. Can you believe that? And what does that say? I mean, but that's inflation too. So, yeah, but it also says that people really, really love these movies and they really, really love these characters and that they were, they were ready for it, but it's just, it is nice knowing it made that much money and people didn't, you know, it wasn't just people reactively just being like, yeah, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, no, it's universally like, yeah, I spent money on it. It was bad. I just, I find it. I think it's extremely problematic when you, and not that I, I, I'm not a masochistic person, but when you watch a horror movie and you just, in the far reaches of your heart, do not care if these leads live or die. That's a problem. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, honestly, I don't want to see any teenager die, but. I mean, it, literally, when you're watching this movie, you're like, w- w- at least something would be happening if they did. Yep. Like, at least I'd be shocked or something. But um, like we've said, God, I think it was one of the very earliest episodes that we did that I, I made the statement that the, the biggest cardinal sin that any slasher or horror film can make is to be boring. And boy, that's what this is. Yeah. See, I had made a pitch to you. A long time ago about a nightmare on elm street prequel idea i had which i did not realize at the time uh, the depth that this movie went into and it wouldn't be as cool now but it, before going into any of his you know uh lore or whatever and knowing it was freddy i had a great i feel i had a great idea for a movie where it was just like a like Almost like a Kiss the Girls or one of, you know, like an Alex Cross movie where it's like a detective and there are child killings, you know, and the movie is just mainly about that. And then the twist at the end of the movie is it is Fred Krueger. Right. But like I wanted it to be like like as much as the movie as I'm about to give some spoilers for the movie Split. Uh but like at the end of that movie, like the last frame of it essentially shows Bruce Willis as his character from Unbreakable. And you're yeah. like, 
oh shit, this whole movie was a sequel to Unbreakable. Holy yeah. shit. Like, it needs to be one of those moments. I thought that movie would have been, like, because you can, you can make a pretty easy paint by numbers uh, uh, you know, police thriller. Yeah, sure. And then, you know, whip a little uh, twist there at the end. Yeah. No, I think that would be great. Yeah. And it's just like him getting, you don't, you don't do the parents killing him or anything. It's just him getting arrested. Right. Yeah. No, I think that would be great. I mean, if, if you had a great, just thriller to where you didn't even need that twist, but yet you had it at the end, I think that would be a, I think that would be a great idea. Yeah. Uh, but this movie ruined that idea. I don't know. It's just, I, and I love like the lore and the backstory of villains and everything like that. I mean, I think that's part of why. I liked Freddy so much growing up was there was a lot more story to him than the other movies. Yeah. I mean, they tried with Michael Myers, but it just went off the fucking rails. They always try and bring it into a, like a family thing. They both did that now. And now that I think about it, uh, and just Friday, there wasn't that at all. (laughs) Right. just, just a single line. That's it. Yes. Marching forward and killing. Um, yeah, this this movie this movie was. the one it, I don't even know maybe it's the slickness that that ruins this but one of the things that this movie never does is it it doesn't do a very good job and I think this is on the part of the actors and the director it never plants its feet like doesn't it feel like this movie is just on a conveyor belt like a constantly yeah. moving conveyor belt it never plants its feet now think back to that first movie. Think back to that scene when Rod is in the jail cell and he's telling Nancy about what happened to Tina. Like that is actually a really great scene and he's extremely vulnerable and it's quiet. Maybe there's a little bit of bed music playing, maybe not, but you just see this young guy like really, you know, leather jacket and everything, normally a tough guy, but really vulnerable and just saying to her that great line about um, it was just like cuts happening, yeah. which is a, a, a I love the wording of that. Um, but we're in that jail cell. We're in that moment. We can taste the atmosphere. This movie is just you're just moving along on a tram and yeah. you're just watching it as you're scooting along. You know, it, it doesn't plan its feet. Well, a lot anymore. of it feels like it it is assuming you are familiar with the source material. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's nothing like pay attention to this part. Right. It's like, you know what part this is. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, what a, God, what an awful premise to make a movie with. And there's no good, like that first long dream that Nancy has in the first one where she's, you know, sees the jail cell and then she's trying to get up the steps and her feet are breaking through. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like there was any cool sequence in here where you're just like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, I think we're just already also kind of conditioned to be like anything can happen in these dreams. Yeah. So I'm not impressed by anything that does happen in the dreams. Right. And Freddie's a little inconsistent in this world. Cause he, you know, I mean, there is a weird issue in the first one because he does, he manipulates the blanket to hang rod in the jail cell. Right. Which is great because then it looks like Rod hung himself, yeah. which is fine. Like, how did Freddie manipulate outside material? That's like a, such a just, yeah, yeah, you know. Which, but they don't do that in this movie. But he does still manipulate people because yeah, the first dude who dies, 
you know, for, Freddy forces him to cut his own throat. Which, by the way, is the best and only really good kill in the yeah, entire movie. Yeah, it's great. It, yeah. I was like, okay. That was it. Uh, and then that scene in the convenience store. Yeah. Where I was like, I was interested for two minutes. Interesting. And then there is an awful kill at the very end. Oh, the- yeah. Well, hold on. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that. Uh, 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 what was I saying? All right. We will we'll get to the end then. What the hell was I saying? Damn these damn tangents. Oh, but it was just about, um, it was about, uh, uh, Freddie manipulating things that they oh don't yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right so he never really uses that to his advantage right like if you could make your kills look like suicides why wouldn't you do that yeah because uh, it's like one person he makes it look like he cuts his own throat but then the next person he kills is just obvious like four slashes full down the body after I've slung her around the room yeah so kind of inconsistent there but whatever uh, but yeah, then the yeah they have to do a fucking thing at the end of the movie, uh, to set up a sequel, which is fine. The first movie does it. I understand it has to be done. Uh, but you know, there's just something about, and uh, you know, we say this a lot. There's something about practical effects, and there's something about the realness and the tangibility of it. Is even if we know looking at it that it is obviously fake, right? Because it is also real. Yeah, you you can still make an association to it. Sure. But if I see something happen and I know that it is fake, but I also know that it is just uh, digitally created, it does not have the same effect. No matter how in my face, the more in my face you try to make it, the worse it is. Because the first movie, yes, our tag is, oh, Freddy's not dead. The bus is dry or the kids are driving off trapped in the Freddy mobile. And now Nancy's mom gets pulled in through the, the little tiny window in yeah. the front door. It's a little goofy. It's a little goofy, but it's still you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, just seeing a body suck through a hole that size. Yeah. Oh, it can be off putting. Yeah. Uh, in this instead. Yeah. We get this hokey ass. Uh, the mom played by. Uh, oh, yeah. Who was the mom? She was another actress that people know. Connie Britton. She's in uh, Friday Night Lights. Yeah. The TV show, I believe. Anyway, <laughs> she's good. She's fine in this movie. Yeah. Her and Clancy Brown are like the only parents of note, and they're fine. They knew what they were doing. Yes. Yes. But yeah, you get this, you know, they're coming home from whatever, and they stop in front of a mirror, and Nancy behind her mom sees Freddie's reflection. The glove comes out, and you get him like piercing from the back of the head through the mom's head and it just looks so dumb yeah it looks so dumb because if you remember in like that those uh early to to mid 2000s when they had those cgi blood effects the main problem was with when the blood would splatter it always was going at a sort of slow rate through the air like it just doesn't even look like it has the same sort of like reaction and trajectory yeah. that normal blood does it looks like uh like it's just kind of floating out there right you know like kind like of I'm like i'm on the space station right exactly exactly that's yeah. exactly they, say, they don't have physics down of like yeah the right stuff which you feel i feel like they should by now right yes and physics yeah. are pretty consistent let's figure it out people yeah 
I've never studied it, but I'm. And then he pulls yeah. her back into the mirror, and the mirror yeah. like closes up on itself. I, I mean, I kind of did like then, like the mirror had a blood spatter on yeah. it. That was kind of like a cool idea. And but it was you, way too late at that point. Oh yeah, and actually, the one thing I will give it a little bit of credit for in that moment too, because I, I like the fact that you rewound it and then paused it, <laughs> yeah, so we that we could had see to marvel and how bad it looked, just how bad it was. But what I did like is that if you notice when you paused it, even though that blood and the effect is is just kind of garbage, I did like how they did go to the trouble to in the mirror. Even when you're not seeing Freddy, when you look into where the mirror is, you see the boiler room as opposed to the living room. Like, if, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of cool that they like it wasn't just they had like Freddy standing in a black room or whatever. Like, yeah. it was like he's Man, in I his. I don't even. Yeah. They, yeah. But it happened so fast. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't even think I really noticed it. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, all in all, I, I it's funny. You would think that I wouldn't be excited to not recommend a oh. movie, but I I am excited about the fact that I am so confident in my not recommending right. this movie. I don't have I'm to struggle. I'm begging you, please don't watch this movie. Yeah. Just just don't. I mean, it's uh I really the, the for all of the movies that we say like, eh, you know, if you got nothing else to do, if you're bored or whatever, pop it on. You know, you'll you'll get this quality or that quality or this experience. But honestly, I I think you do yourself harm by watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like it is it is uh, uh actively bad. Like not just it's not just passively neutrally unaffecting. It's actively bad. Yeah. Do you think Paul Dano could play a good Freddy Krueger? Who's that? He was in. Uh, he was in There Will Be Blood. He was like he was uh the twins, like the little preacher boy. I never saw that movie. Oh my god, so good! I've heard that people like it. Oh, it's so good. What about Daniel Day Lewis? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say him earlier, but he retired. But he would be, yeah, he would be amazing. Is he back to shoe cobbling now? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's doing whatever he wants. <laughs> right. Uh, no, Paul Dano. He was in Prisoners. He was in. Uh, uh, Swiss Army Man. He was in. He's gonna be the Riddler in the new Batman. I just if you looked him up, okay, you'd be like, I, oh, oh, yeah. okay. As all our listeners are doing, whoa, and and, and the real question is, it's like, okay, I mean, let me just say for a second while I'll play along, and maybe that guy would be an interesting choice. What about the fact that uh, you could still have Robert Englund do it? <laughs> I mean, you it's, could. I know he's getting older. I get that, but the guy seems to be in pretty like he's not aging rapidly. Um, and uh, he, uh, that's Paul Dano. I'm yeah, I'm not really familiar with him. I'm not familiar with him. Oh man. Um, but I mean, I think that I mean, not that I want to go have a movie go to a bunch of trouble to explain why Freddie might be slower. <laughs> or whatever but maybe maybe you could somehow creatively work in the fact that he's maybe he's getting more desperate because he actually does age or something. I, I don't know yeah um but uh oh yeah one last weird thing that i didn't like that they changed yeah. from the original yeah is that yeah we kind of covered it but i want to make more of a point of it where it's he you know he was a child molester but the kids accused him of it and the parents acted on it. They never called the police. Right. I like in the first one, it was like, you oh, know, like he went to jail 
but he got out on a technicality so we had to do what we had to do not just this fucking reactionary mob that murders a man yeah the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous <laughs> exactly uh, yeah, yeah. No, that never happened that's why that line wasn't in the, the best line from the first movie was not in this one right because uh there was no due process at all no no you're right and that kind of you're right because i feel like that's a little bit of a of a of kind of like a a trick that like we're supposed to believe that maybe the parents did something wrong and then i'm not and the thing is i'll even go with that if you stick with that if you if you make it a story about he ultimately was innocent and that's the like big twist of it all right but then he's still killing kids like it's not like then we could look at be like oh we were must you're misunderstanding him. He was accidentally killing kids in their dreams. He was just trying to tell us the truth. Also, by the way, is an innocent man. Right. And by the way, there are obviously a big part of filmmaking is, is not necessarily giving everything away too early, but there are also, even if you're not trying to be one way or the other, there are things that you can do little subconscious things you can do in filmmaking to, um, uh, maybe upon second viewing, like, you know, that that person really was guilty or something like that. Honestly, well, here's what I'm getting at in the scenes where we have Jackie Earl Haley running away from the parents that are about to burn him. The look on his face, the, the franticness, the, the fear yeah. in him is exactly the way that you would film a scene. If a, somebody truly was innocent. Yeah. And I think but that's that the, him projecting a dream for the kid to see oh i suppose yeah okay like that's okay. Uh, that's i'm mean, I, I give it that okay okay if we're it, but that's my issue where he's like let me show you how innocent i am also let me show you where you can come and check out all the things that say i'm not innocent yeah like if you're going to create that dream to make your innocence do it wherever the fuck you want right. like this kid doesn't know where freddie was killed yeah actually i was fil- killed in this barn over yeah. here on this farm yeah that's where i was hiding out and yeah. then they go and be like well that barn's gone i guess that's the end of that story not let's go check out it's <laughs> fucking torture dead right yeah oh he's kept pictures of us as children right yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah he could he could pick anywhere he could be like Here's where I go and volunteer uh, inseminating cows on this farm on the weekend or whatever right. you, you do. I mean, like, I don't know if that's it's a yellow. hobby. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, you're right. I mean, there's there's some work yellow semen into every episode. now. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. The uh, it was, yeah, just the yellow semen massacre. Um, are the well, the yellow, or just the yellow semen podcast. I mean, that's really all it is uh, with TNA. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's goofy as hell. It doesn't work. None of it really does. The fact that you and I were even trying to pick things that we like is is a stretch. I mean, sometimes we nitpick in the other direction when a movie is so good. And we're trying to find right. some problems. This is the the polar opposite, but sort of, a, a, you know, parallel universe to that where it's like. I mean, I guess some of the things that we mentioned we might actually like, but it's certainly not enough. And I'm not just hung up on remakes because there are going to be a couple we cover in this series that I uh, didn't mind and liked. I hope 
that there are well no you're right there are now that you say that uh thinking ahead there are a couple that i i did like yes yeah. at least half of the four yeah maybe maybe even three i don't know we'll, we'll yeah, see yeah i'm sure i'll recommend at least two of the yeah. four so i mean what a big mystery because this one is not one of them now here's something that i would love to have happen if there is anybody out there listening that that has the balls to pipe up and say that they actually really liked this movie and that um and to try and tell me why i would love to hear that yeah. and i promise i won't even give i won't even try to shoot you down for your reasons i just no. i'd love to hear some justification yeah i'd love to hear that too all right let's stop talking about this yes Ugh. Okay, that was A Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. Join us next week as, oops, they did it again, continues. We're doing from 2009, Friday the 13th, which is probably the least like its original. Yes. I mean, by far. Yeah. (laughs) By far. Uh, So, yeah, that's going to be next week. Check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Shoot us an email. Tell us why this movie is good. Uh, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, shoot us a review on wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You know, give us some stars and write us a nice, nice thing that other people can read. Huge thanks to our patrons. You help make the show possible. Um, Tim, is there anything you have to say about a nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> yes, absolutely there is. And, and it is, bitch. <laughs> because somebody had better say it in this movie. That's right. He does. Am I right or am I? He doesn't say it once. He never says bitch. No. <laughs> yeah, know. that's a problem. That was maybe that's the biggest problem with this movie. You don't. You have a a Nightmare on Elm Street movie where Freddy doesn't say bitch. That's an yeah. issue. Yeah. If you've got a hankering for it, check out the Rick and Morty episode with Scary Terry, who is their Freddy ripoff. He has swords instead of knives for fingers. Does he and say he, bitch I, after every sentence? <laughs> that's <laughs> great. He even gets home. He's like, flare off, bitch, to his wife. She's like, not in front of the baby. He's got a baby and everything. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's great. Yeah, sorry, bitch. <laughs> okay, Tim, we'll see you next week. Bye. See you. Bye. bye.